This is episode 45. In this episode, you'll meet the CEO of Latin City, Chadwick Burnow. Latin City is an events company that celebrates diverse Latin culture through food and music. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate. Bienvenidos! It's a podcast where Latinx business owners share stories of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. I believe consumers want to support businesses they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. Also, join me on my business mindfulness series where I share business tips and activities that will help you grow and sustain your business. So please subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. Welcome to another episode of Relate and Elevate. Yes. Hello. (laughs) I have a very special guest here. Would you like to introduce yourself? I would, yeah. So my name is uh, Chadwick Bernard, and um, yeah, what should I say? Like, should I say my favorite color or what Don't, I would be if I was a jungle animal? I will ask you your favorite color in a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, she can't reveal too much. <laughs> how about, how about, like, where are you currently from, where you live, or, oh, or yeah. what do you do? Just your current. That's way more important. Yeah. So, um, I live in San Francisco, and I own a company called Latin City. And we create experiences for Latinos. Um, and, um, yeah. We'll get more into that later. Thank you. But right now, I do want to know, what is your favorite food? My favorite food, like my favorite dish or my favorite, like, cuisine? Because that's, like, mm, a whole different, both. like, thing. So, my favorite cuisine is going to definitely be Caribbean food. You know, because it's just it's like sweet and savory, just like in every dish, basically, you know. Favorite dish is pastelon. And if you know... Pastelon. Pastelon. You know about pastelon? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to break it down for you. So basically, it's like lasagna, but mm-hmm. instead of the pasta, you use plantains. Well, maduros, really, but yeah. Maduros. Yeah. So you could actually you can use mango, too. Is so like, is it have like beef, ground beef, yeah, cheese? Yeah, beef, cheese. Maduros. Yeah, so check it out. I actually know how to make it, so I'm going to tell you exactly how you do it. So you make the like a deep dish. Mm-hmm. You, it's easier if you do it with mangu because you just make mangu way faster. You can make um, a, a, enough maduros for a whole like tray, you know, because mm-hmm. it's probably like, yeah, a lot of them. So a layer of mangu. A layer of the uh, the mixture of like the beef, the peppers. Some people put raisins. It's pretty good with raisins. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, it's not like a potato salad. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and then all the whole mixture of like the ground beef, and then you put another layer of mangu, and then this is the, this is the can I curse? Mm-hmm. This is the shit. <laughs> you take a mixture of cheese, like you know, like mozzarella cheese or whatever cheese you want. I usually use uh, mozzarella cheese. You put it all over the top, mm-hmm. and then you take a do- half a dozen to a dozen eggs. Whip them up real scramble like mm-hmm. you know, and pour it over the top of the cheese, and bake it. So, so when are you making this egg, so we can all try it? <laughs> I make, you know, probably like Thanksgiving. Nah. 
what? We're in February. You can't like tease hey, me like this. Anticipation, you know, it's like half the half the uh, battle or part of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's my favorite dish. Hmm. Yeah, I've never had that. It's pretty darn good. It sounds really, really good. Yeah, I went to this place called the Flourish Factory recently. If anybody knows about the Flourish Factory, they'll appreciate that. Um, so I went to the Flourish Factory recently when there was Friendsgiving, and um, I brought that, and it was it was a favorite. It was a crowd favorite. Yeah. Sweet and savory and Sweet cheesy. And savory. That's all you need in life. That really, honestly, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so, what is your favorite color? <laughs> red, like a dark red, like a like a brick red, brick wall red. You know, blood is kind of too, but it's kind of weird to say blood, right? So, um, <laughs> it's like red. brick, brick My red. My favorite color is blood. Red. <laughs> <laughs> brick red, burgundy, yeah. Yeah, deep colors, they're good. I think I think it goes with anything. You can put it like bright colors, dark colors, light colors. Yeah, I wasn't thinking like from a fashion standpoint, but I guess that makes sense too. Yeah. Oh, well, what do you like to see the red in? Um, Blood? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, just like, you know, art, I guess. Um, mm. But I guess fashion, that makes sense, too. Just in general, that's just my favorite color. When I was a kid, I used to draw a lot, and that was my favorite color to draw was, mm. was brick red. Like, like the box of crayons, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the brick red? Okay, that's the one I want, you know? There so, is a Crayola color called brick red, right? I know, yeah. yeah red, yeah. red, orange. Yep. Then orange, red, but brick red, yeah. Brick red. So what's the most recent book you've read? Hmm. I read a lot, but it's mostly like research stuff. The audiobooks count? Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, it was uh, Charlemagne and God's book, um, Shook Ones, My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me. My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me. Yeah, it's basically like an autobiography book of his about his struggle with uh, mental health mm. and his journey. Well, his struggle, I shouldn't say his struggle, but his journey. Mm. with mental health and a lot of the things that he now realizes he was doing he was creating like um the problems he was creating for himself back in the day that he didn't that he thought it was just part of his environment and things like that but it's really just like you know the way he the choices he made based on the way he was thinking Mm. and it's kind of like a book it's written by obviously i I don't know if you know the show i mean the guy it is but um he's a um Black guy from South Carolina, um, on one of the top um, top hip hop shows. Well, top really radio shows in the nation, but they do play hip hop music and they interview a lot of uh, important people to the African American community, community, and also a lot of politicians and stuff. They interview some really like, they they interview everybody from like hip hop like icons like Jay Z, right, or like Steve Stout to like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Mm. So, actually, today we interviewed Barbara Sanders. I know they interviewed Elizabeth Warren, and they gave Elizabeth Warren a tough time about her um, her claim that she was Native American. But uh, yeah, anyway. So the point is, is that um, yeah, he's a he's a, a cultural icon in the hip hop community, and his book was really important. It was written for basically um, the purpose of like making people feel comfortable with like seeking help when it comes mm. to mental health mm-hmm. and about his journey and yeah, all that stuff, normalizing. Seeking help, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. My mind's playing tricks on me. Yeah, it's a pretty good book. Before that, it was uh, Gucci Mane's biography. Mm. Pretty good, too. Gucci Mane. Burr. <laughs> yeah. what, um, what's the last song you listened to? 
Oh man, okay. Um, let me open my Spotify. Oh, life is good. <laughs> no, it's actually not even true. I was just listening to music before I walked into this room, and I was listening to this song right here. <laughs> Probably shouldn't play that. It might get um, taken down. But Nareda by Raleen Rodriguez. And what is it, bachata? Um, Salsa? It's more like merengue. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does bachata too. Um, yeah, I mean, he plays a lot of good music. Um, there's a good playlist on Spotify called Bodega Sounds. You should check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much where that song came from was that playlist. That's cool. I can't yeah. really listen to like dancing music when I need to like sit down and work because then I just want to like not work. Yeah, I hear you. It helps me actually work work faster. Oh, well, that's <laughs> you know? good. That's good for you. <laughs> yeah. So tell us something that only a handful of people know about you. Mm, good question. Let's see. Probably that I spent a lot of time in Miami growing up. Not, not many people know that. So I'm from Virginia. Grew up outside of Washington, D.C., um, but for every summer, for most of my childhood, I, I was um, I spent it in South Florida. Hmm. With family? Yeah. My grandparents lived down there. So, yeah. Some of my friends have known me forever still think I'm full of shit when I say that. Because <laughs> they don't like, they knew me from like high school, you know. They didn't know me from like, you know, I was a child, like a youngin'. So, yeah. And that's like, that's like my favorite place in the world is South Florida. Hmm. It's beautiful down there. Like what? What cities? I've I've only ever been to. I've been to Key West. Yeah, but, Key West is great. But I know that's really touristy, and I don't know if that's like really like how South Florida is. Yeah, not really. Um, so I was in Fort Lauderdale a lot, you know, um, as far as like where my grandparents lived. But my favorite part of South Florida was um, was as like Miami proper. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you don't even feel like you're really in the States anymore. I think that was my favorite part about it, is I mm. didn't feel like I was even in the United States. Because Virginia is very, like, American. You know, like Virginia, D.C., that whole metropolitan area. Patriotic. Yeah, super patriotic. Everybody has this, like, and, like, in the D.C. area, if, like, everybody basically is a copy cut of, of or um, a cookie cut. Mm. You know, it's, um, everybody has the same haircut. Everybody drives a similar car. Everybody, when the new, any kind of shoes comes out, everybody has the same shoes, you know. So you see, like, everywhere you go, everybody's wearing literally the same sneaker. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, I just love the fact, like, the South Florida is, like, everybody's so different. And you got, like, you know, you got very people that, like, are, like, Cuban. And you got the folks that are, like, Asian. And, you, and like, everybody's, like, super proud of their, their culture. And there's no, like, mm-hmm. no watering down of it all. And, Music is beautiful. The weather is beautiful. The ladies are beautiful. The food is great. The beach is just like right over there. You know, mm-hmm. South Florida is amazing. Yeah. Hmm, cool. <laughs> I just yeah. Yeah, it's not just about you know the clubs. It's like it's a whole beautiful Experience. world outside the clubs. Yeah, yeah. life lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, let's move into talking about your cultural identity. Okay. How do you self-identify? So I self-identify as well. In what sense? Because that could be. I mean, However you want. How this is 
You. How do you self-identify? Okay. Well, I'm a male. Um, straight male. Um, proud to be an American. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yeah, uh, straight male, uh, Afro-Latino, um, and... Um, I think those are like those are like the boxes, right? For <laughs> your identity. But yeah, I mean, um, what? Okay, what does cultural identity mean to you? Okay. So cultural identity, yeah, it's a weird, th- it's a weird thing, and especially in this country, right? Because mm-hmm. like, I think it's probably more important in the United States than really anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I do agree with that. Yeah, because I don't. I mean, like in London, probably or England, excuse me, is probably pretty important too, because there's like a, a huge immigration population. You know, mm-hmm. immigrant population. Maybe in Australia, but um, I feel like in the United States, it's it's, it's such a part of our mainstream. Yeah, um, communication is such a part of media that um, you can't even like own a company and not in like your identity not be part of, like, your company's brand. <laughs> you know, like a, like a black guy can own a company, and it's not just a company. It's a company owned by a black guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's it's just a, such a part of our culture here. But, um, but anyway, that's just a little side note. Um, so cultural um, identity to me is just, like, obviously what, 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 what culture you identify with. But you could be, like... But it's weird in this country because you could there's so many subcultures too, you know. Like you could be Californian, right? Because California, especially like Northern California and South, Southern California, have really like strong identities. And Central California. Oh yeah, I forgot that was a thing. No, I'm just playing. I meant, I meant for you to catch that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no but like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I don't really. I'm not familiar with Central California. Yeah. But I know that Northern California and Southern California have like really strong identities. Right? Mm-hmm. And and even, different. But we're still Californian. Exactly. Because, like, if you take a guy from Alabama, you know, no matter what his, you know, his creed is, you know, um, he's still going to, like, be very different than your typical Californian, right? So you have that. And then you have folks that are, like, Californian, but at home they speak Korean. Mm-hmm. Right? But um, but they also, like, all their friends are, like, Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's part of the culture. It's right. part of the experience, your everyday life experience. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, yeah, I just it, I think in this country it's hard to really answer that question with a black or white answer, you know, because so many yeah, people have so no, many yeah. different cultures. You know, like gay culture is a real thing, right? Like yeah. that's what like, you know, mm-hmm. a person who is um, constantly judged by who they fall in love with you know, looks at the world through a different lens than a person who's, like, just straight and had, like, totally, it's just, like, not even a question of who they're dating, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if I could break down what it means, I to me, it's experience. Yeah. It's, like, your everyday life experience. Like mm-hmm. you said, like, I, I have no idea what it's like to be you, and you have no idea what it's like to be me, mm-hmm. but yet... We live in a society that every day is telling us what a black man's life is, what an Afro-Latino man's life is. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea. And and hearing it from other people instead of hearing it from you is 
Yeah. I think is really fucked up. <laughs> I think yeah. it's fucked up, but that's how we that's how we live our lives and and I think that by giving time and space mm-hmm. for ourselves to say this is how I self-identify, this is my experience, mm-hmm. then we can break down those like outer like those societal uh, voices or right. I don't know. I don't know how I'm. I'm using my hands to describe <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I think. But. I think that the only thing that I think. Well, I think primarily what me and other um, African American Afro Latino men share is really just how non Afro Latinos interact with us. Mm. That's our real only shared experience. In mm. all, obviously, like food and music and stuff, and like maybe like home, like traditions, but. But as far as, like, outside of traditions of, like, home life, our only other shared mm-hmm. ex- um, commonalities um, among each other is really just how the world treats us. Mm. You know? Like, because, like, I like jazz, right? But I know a lot of other brothers and Afro-Latinos um, that, like, that don't like jazz. Mm-hmm. Don't think jazz is really cool. Like, they'll tolerate it, but they much rather listen to um, Beyonce. That's so cool (laughs) about cultural identity. It's like so like fluid. It's it could be it's anything and like everybody is so unique to their own culture, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I kinda get that. Like the whole thing of why are Latinas so angry all the time? Why are Latinas so mad all the time kind of thing that I've heard from other people. Yeah. Like thing and I'm just like What do you think about that? It makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yes, it does, but it also really makes me think about, like, wow, now my daughters are are gonna be an angry Latina. Like, how do I, how do I, what what do I do? What can I say? What what can I? Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know I don't, I, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. such. It's so heavy. Like, it's not. I can't just fix it or answer it or right. deal with it and I can't just magically wave a wand and be like oh my daughters aren't going to encounter that yeah but they also say black men are angry too right? yeah and black women are angry the angry black man right. the angry, angry black, black woman the... but I think that like I mean like, I mean, tell me if you agree with this or not but I think it's more like just like we have a lower tolerance for disrespect and mistreatment because we have it all the damn time I actually think the opposite I think that we have such a high tolerance because we are exposed to it so much all Mm. the time that we don't even realize how much of a high tolerance that we have that when we actually get to that point where we're just like, fuck, dude, like, ah, then that's when you're, you're the angry black man or the angry Afro-Latino or or I'm the bitchy Latina, angry Latina, because... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, last night I went to an event. I'm pretty sure you were at the same event. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this uh, this white lady um, asked me what my name was. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, and I said, oh, my name is Chadwick. And she was like, oh, I thought I heard you say that earlier. I thought there was only one. And I, and I, th- I thought about it for a second. I was like, only one Chadwick in the world? What does that mean? And I was like, no. No, no, there's plenty of us. And she's like, oh, you know the other one, right? I was like, the other one? What is she talking about? And she's like, oh, the guy in, uh, in, in Wakanda, Black Panther. I'm like, oh, wow. 
what she's saying is she only thought there was one black Chadwick. Mm. And she, and now she's finding out there's more, there's more than one black Chadwick in the world. She's talking about Chadwick Boseman, the main character, mm-hmm. uh, main um, mm-hmm. character um, of Black Panther. And um, it's those kind of subtle, like kind of microaggressions. Yeah, I I don't even know if she know knew what she was saying. No, she didn't know. But it's just those type of things. I think she really was up. trying to like. Relate, maybe? I'm trying to be funny, maybe. Trying even. to be, <laughs> you know? didn't know. I mean, I don't know. But, but yeah, like. But why would yeah? Like I wouldn't say like, damn, like. I think her. I don't know what her name was, but I don't know. I just don't. Under, I I just can't imagine a world where I would say anything similar to that back to her. You know. I. Like I didn't know there was white people that hung out with black people. Wow, like, you know, who are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say something like that. You know, so. Um. But yeah, anyways, my point is, it's like, yeah, it's just those little small things that kind of do add up to. Yep, microaggressions. Not being able to take any more. So I, yeah, I can see where you're, t- you're coming from. Yeah, I, I think that I know that we need to give ourselves more credit. Yeah, totally. For our experiences. Our patience levels. <laughs> but that's a. Another topic for a bigger problem in a Saving the World podcast that maybe one day we'll start. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) And now I'd like to take a little break. Do you want to increase your sales? Join my next marketing strategy course to define your target audience and create a marketing strategy that's tailored to fit your business. The next online course begins March 4th. We meet in a live video chat on Wednesday nights from 8 to 9.30 for four weeks. Here's what Rocio Gonzalez said after completing the course. I learned so much from taking this course. I learned valuable strategies that I can now apply to my business. I could not have done this on my own. That is why I am thankful for Giselle who helped me on the spot to figure out my target market. I now know what to do to make my business successful. I learned how to create a marketing strategy step by step. I also enjoyed meeting other small business owners and learning from them. I highly recommend this course. Let's talk about Latin City and any all of your business ventures. Like yeah. what tell us more about them. What what do you sell? What is a product service? Yes. Yeah, Where so- do you sell them? Excuse me. Um, yeah, so Latin City is a company um, that I basically took over. So oh. it was started by another man mm-hmm. uh, named Xavier, um, a friend of mine. He um, he had a lot of things going on mm-hmm. and um, asked me to come on on board to kind of like take up take over things that I'm pretty good at, like marketing and digital marketing in general, mm-hmm. and things that and those are things like he just want, didn't want to spend time doing. Which is, I think, that's a good business move in any business. You know, like if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a baker, you might as well bring on somebody that can do the stuff you don't like to do or, or yeah. not do that, right? Yeah, play to your strengths and exactly. hire people for your weaknesses. Exactly. So, yeah, so I joined the team in like the fall of 2015. And uh, we did a bunch of events together. Um, had a weekly, strong weekly for a little over a year and a half. And um, yeah, I learned a ton while working with him. Like, basically, he taught me everything I know. Uh, at least majority of what I know. Um, and, yeah, so, and then in 2000, 2018, yeah, summer 2018, 
he uh, decided he was he um, he's from Lima, Peru originally, mm-hmm. and he decided he was going to move back home, and be close to the family for a few years. Hmm. So uh, yeah, we decided that I would um, take over from there, and here we are. So now I'm CEO of Latin City, and what we do is we create experiences for Latinos um, because I am um, someone of uh, of the uh, Caribbean community and Afro Latino community. I um, definitely am carving out a uh, space for us here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, cool. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, there are a lot of events that happen, and um, food experiences and music experiences that happen here in the Bay Area that are, you know, created by people of um, that of, of Latino communities that are not in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So there's not many like things that you can go to that are like um, like experiences that I had growing up, you know, um, and a lot of other folks that I know out here that are from, like, New York, Boston, Miami, Atlanta, and other those um, bigger East Coast cities, D.C. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so what we do is we create um, experiences for Latinos, including, like, food. Uh, we do uh, brunch buffets. Um, we partner with um, some of the uh, Caribbean teams, Afro-Latino teams here in the Bay Area. But also, like, you know, we have a Peruvian experience as well you know so it's not just afro-latino teams as well because um it's, i think it's important to bring us all to the same table you know mm-hmm. and share similarities instead of our uh, differences you know mm-hmm. um appreciate and, both of them yeah exactly. similarities and differences yeah that too that's true that's so true um and then we also do uh, music events you know like independence so uh independence day parties so today is february 27th and today is Dominican Republic's Independence Day, mm-hmm. and we are hosting an event tonight um, sponsored by Brugal, which is like the national rum of, uh, of, uh, of Dominican Republic. And um, mm. yeah, it's going to be in San Francisco from 5 to 9, so by the time people hear this, yeah, obviously this will be the, the event will be over, but that's the type of stuff, <laughs> that's the type of stuff that we do. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it in a nutshell, yeah. And also, I have a marketing agency called Wazoo. So basically, program. you get paid to party with people. Well, I don't really, you know. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no I'm that's just kind kidding. of the misconception, you know. Um, <laughs> if you're really doing it right, you're not partying. Mm. You yeah, know? you're you, like you're. Yeah, you're doing it. Your work really is making sure that you before party. the event actually happens, right? That's where. Yeah, most well, of your work. True that. Most of the work is done before the doors open. Mm-hmm. For me, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, the bartender's just obviously working. Um, security staff, DJs are all like working, right? But most of my work is done up until the time the doors open. Right? Mm-hmm. But even then, like, it's my event. Yeah. So if something goes yeah. wrong, You're, people are going to be upset yeah. at Latin City, not the venue, not the DJ, not the bartender, yeah. you know? So I still, like... I'm super hands-on. Yeah. Like, I may kick it with you for, like, 10 minutes and, like, maybe drink this drink that you just gave me. Um, I might actually hand it to somebody else as well mm-hmm. because I might maybe, have, you know, this is yeah, not, well, yeah. I'm not inter- interested right now. But I will check in on the DJ every half an hour. I will check in on the bar every half an hour. Mm-hmm. I will check with the security guards every half an hour. I will see if I see anybody that's getting too uh, aggressive and, like, look like they're not having a good time. I will go over and check on them and make sure things fine. Mm-hmm. You know, because the last thing I want is somebody to get knocked out at any of my events. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> or um, any kind of drama to happen. Yeah. And, and, and because of that, I've never had problems. I've done mm-hmm. almost 200 of events, and I've, I've never had a single fight at wow. any of my events. Um, I've had some people get a little too wasted, and they've had, obviously, been out of the, wouldn't walk to the door and, you know, tell them to get an Uber, but... 
but as far as drama goes, you know, no drama. <laughs> it's all good that's times. not easy to do i know like we're yeah. like kind of joking laughing about it but it's actually not easy to do no, to have not. like over 200 events and close to 200 events not over it's like almost 180, okay almost 200 like that. events but that's that's really cool congratulations Thank like you. that's that's really not easy to do no because when you get a whole bunch of people in a room with yeah. music and alcohol and food Anything can happen, but most of the time, it's just pure fun, right? Like exactly. Experiencing it. Exactly. So, definitely hope to go to one of your events soon. Yeah, you gotta come. Note to self, <laughs> don't buy you any alcohol. <laughs> After party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, the last couple hours, I'll take a couple of drinks, but that's about it. Um, yeah, and we also, like I, work, like I said, I work with brands. So, like, today's with a partner by, with Brugal. And um, try to work with brands to minimize the cost for guests, too. Because, you know, people coming from after a long week of work, last thing you want to do is pay it and get into a party, you know? So the way that you came into this business is really interesting. Uh, most of the people that I talk to is mm-hmm. they've created, they, they, they had a vision, they created it, everything on their own. Or yeah. with help, you know, mm-hmm. resources and support. Mm-hmm. But... Um, they just had this vision and they did it. And you learned from someone else's mm-hmm. vision to carry it kind of, right? Like, was it their original vision? So I'll tell you like this. And, and um, so i give you some backstory first, right? So I've always wanted to do events. Mm-hmm. And I've even like have done some events prior to me joining mm-hmm. um, Latin City. Um, so... So my father is from Haiti. Hmm. He's from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. But I grew up with Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. I didn't grow up with my father or my father's side of the family, right? Hmm. Unfortunately, right? Or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up with, um, like, my second mom, you know, is, like, with, my, with when my mom hit some, some hard patches in, in my high school time. Hmm. Um, one of my good friend's mother stepped in and became, like, a mother role for me. And mm-hmm. she's from uh, Santo Domingo, Dominican mm-hmm. Republic, Okay. So I, I, you know, I, um, I learned a lot from her and her husband, um, you know, rest in peace to uh, Mr. Trot. And, um, and yeah, and even like still now she calls me and checks on me, you know, and makes sure mm. I'm doing fine, you know. So, but I met my, I met my father when I was 21 mm-hmm. and I met my entire father's side from that point on, you know, started going to family reunions and stuff. And... Right around that time, I started becoming really fascinated with the, um, the reality that there are, and I don't know if this is true anywhere else in the world, but, you know, Haiti and Dominican Republic, as far as I know, are the only two countries that share an island, hmm. right? They share an island. They have a really um, rough history when it comes to interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, on the outside looking in, they're very, very different countries. Mm-hmm. But um, there's actually a ton of similarities between the two. That's the reason why I'm wearing this shirt today. Hispaniola. Hispaniola is the um, is the way that is is the name of the entire island, right? Mm. Um, that even that name has controversy because mm. it has like a, a, a that name came down from España, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of history on that island. Um, Everybody on that island is black, except for folks that are either related to slave and col- slave owners and colonizers, 
or people that, that moved there because they knew they would have an easier life because they're white, right? Um, because that's just the reality for a long time. Discrim- yeah. Discrimination um, was lasted for a long time on that island. But then there's also a reason why there's more black people, like, well, there's more darker-skinned black people in Haiti than there is in Dominican Republic because um, Haiti got uh, earned their independence almost 200 years ago, um, a little over 200 years ago, actually. Uh, they were the first black nation to um, uh, gain their independence in the entire world, and that was actually obviously due to you know, a revolution, mm-hmm. uh, the slave re- uh, revolt, uh, which led to the Haitian Revolution in 1804. And um, so, yeah, so I'm not going to take up a lot of our time talking about the history of the island, but it yeah, led but me. but it's important, though. Yeah, I mean, it it uh, makes a huge difference in, like, the type of work that I do because I interact with a lot of folks from multiple countries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't say that Haitians are Latino, and um, I have to get into conversations with folks about that often, online and offline. Um, a lot of folks are uh, racist towards black people, and Haitians, um, I'm, I'm very light-skinned for, for someone who's of Haitian background. Um, and But uh, my point of all this is saying that like right when I started to learn that, mm-hmm. that aspect of things and learn more about my Haitian side, um, I started to do a lot of research about the history of DR and Haiti, mm-hmm. right? Haiti and DR, um, everything from like government and like some of the uh, just the terrible things that have ha- happened. Um, as far as like, um, for example, like a former president of, of Dominican Republic, Trujillo, he was he hated black people, even though his mm-hmm. brother was a dark skinned man, and his great grandparents were from Haiti. He hated Haitians, mm-hmm. and um, uh, D- DR bought like a third of of Haiti in, during a time when Haiti was like really poor. I mean, you think Haiti's poor now. They were, there was a certain time when they were like really, really, really poor mm-hmm. because every country in the world was trying to punish them for um, basically being... Being independent. Independent and like the example, set, setting the example internationally about what, what uh, black people so can achieve. Reprimanded. Yeah, by the United States, by France, and also by DR. Um, so DR's um, president at the time purchased like a third of the land and then when they sent the army in and then told everybody that we have purchased this land, this land is actually not Dominican land, this is not Haitian land anymore, you have 24 hours to leave. Most people did not leave because they're like, screw you, like this is my home. I literally built this house with my hands. You know, mm-hmm. I've been working this land for the, you know, however many years, my grandfather maybe, you know. So he sent the military in and killed everybody with assault rifles. It was, it was the, um, one of the greatest massacres in the history of humanity, you know, at least recorded history. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so it's, I started like really started thinking like, damn, you know, if I, if I could do anything with my life, I would really like to mend the relations between Dominicans and Haitians because like it's super important and there's, and there's so many similarities because I know on an intimate level that there's so many similarities mm-hmm. and anybody that has, an, that has family on both sides, which is, um, you know, maybe surprising to some people, but there are a lot of folks who have family who are Haitian and Dominican, right, mm-hmm. um, on both sides. And they even, they only tell you as well, it's like on an intimate level, or when you know people on an intimate level, you understand, um, you understand like there's so many similarities. Like Santeria is the same as Voodoo, mm-hmm. you know? Like, um, yeah, I actually saw that a long time ago. <laughs> and just, I have, like, I'm so out of touch with the Caribbean. That, yeah. But, yeah. Most people just don't know. They look at, like, oh, Santeria, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'll go to the botanical, you know. Mm-hmm. But Voodoo, what is that? You know, like that sounds like devil's work. Now, it's the same mm. thing. It's just That's different languages. Um, the food is very, very like similar. Brujeria or 
Exactly. Or curanderia in exactly. Mexico. Um, merengue is really popular music in Dominican Republic. But before merengue, and some people are going to hate me for saying this, but it's true. It's documented. Before merengue, there was meringue, which was Haitian's version of the, of the same type of style of music. Mm-hmm. And because Haiti is right next to Cuba, they do a lot of business. They've always been doing a lot of business. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest, well, one of the most popular things that people in Cuba wanted was meringue music. So, um, Meringue music, and um, so a lot of people started making a lot of money going from hate from Port-au-Prince to Havana and playing Meringue. Mm. But then some some Dominican cats, because this language is the same as Cuba, they started doing their own version of, of Meringue, and it just got way more popular because people could understand the lyrics. You know? mm. um, but anyways, so my point is, is I always wanted to like do something where I could like, you know, create some kind of space where people can, can uh, create better bonds than what's going on, right? Yeah. And then I started thinking, like, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well just, like, like, there's so many of my cousins, right, all around, you know, Latin America mm-hmm. who have the same similar experiences of being just, like, discriminated against and such, right? Venezuela, Colombia, Mexico, right? Um, a lot of other countries. So I decided in my mind, like I just had it in my mind that I wanted to do something, some kind of business, probably an event business, because that's one of the things that made the most sense, at least like low-hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. To do something where I can bring and celebrate like Afro-Latino culture mm-hmm. and bring everybody together and like do something that's like not seen on the on the West Coast at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just kind of like, so yeah, I mean, so when you to answer your question, like yeah, Latin City was started by Xavier, right? And he had a really dope Caribbean concept called Chevere, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I would never take that away from him, you know. But I think like having um, me part of it, and also like having my skill set as far as online and mm-hmm. being able to brand us online, and also being able to like authenticate certain decisions about being like, yeah, that's not really a Caribbean thing, you know. Mm. Um, oh, that is really a Caribbean thing. Let's do this thing. Because I know how we can do it over here because I know these people and I know these Dominican cats we can do this with or these, you know, Puerto Rican cats we can do this with. And so um, I think on a macro level, yeah, definitely it was Xavier's concept and his his, his name. But, um, yeah, I think my vision for what I want to see here in the, on, the, on the West Coast is really um, a big part of where where it is today. So you put your flavor on it. I put my sofrito on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole like transition from Xavier to you is not something that people really like think about when they're starting a business. People don't think about like an exit plan. People don't think about like, well, how long am I going to do this for? Because most people don't write a business plan. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, but... Uh, it's really important to think to think about that. Yeah. And when you're like starting and you're like brewing all these things and you're like, mm-hmm. I want to do this, I want to do this, you don't think about that. Mm-hmm. And it's the transition from Xavier to you was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was really cool how that happened. He needed to make a decision for himself, but mm-hmm. he knew that the business was beyond him. He didn't shut it off and be like, "Oh, I'm done. It's over because I'm moving or I got to do something else." Right? So yeah, because it's a. It, I mean, at the end of the day, and I think he'll agree with me. It's um, it's a service that we're yeah. providing. You know, it's not like we're just like trying to um, you know, just like like 
like uh, stroke our egos, you know. And that's really um, important to notice, like as a business owner, when you're building something. Yeah. At what point, if if it gets there, I don't think all businesses necessarily get there. At what point is the business bigger than me? I think day one it is. Mm. If you're doing it right, mm. right. If you're doing it right. If you're just doing something so you can get a new Rolex. Or that's, get, then or that's like a hobby or side yeah, hustle or it's a side something. Hustle. Exactly, right? it's a hustle. So. Exactly, it's not a business until you start serving others. Hmm. Well, if you're just trying to get some cash, you might as well just go be a salesperson at like any company. Just hmm. go get some cash. That's way less of a headache. I can assure you of that. Yeah. But if you want to actually like serve a community and make or make a, if you want to make a business, you first have to think who you're going to serve. You have to serve people. And once you start serving people from the day one, it's bigger than you. So I just want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, technology. Like, what's your favorite technological tool that you use to run your business? Yeah, I'm not comfortable with talking about that. No, I'm just <laughs> 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 I just like told wow. you hella stuff. But I mean, <laughs> I was like, you literally just told me about like one of the most. <laughs> intimate things of your life deep rooted in history you don't want to talk about technology okay (laughs) nah social media you know social media is everything you know which Um, one specifically i love instagram i love facebook um email what about those people that say oh facebook is for old people that's stupid sorry (laughs) stupid like old people are just now joining facebook yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they still only check Facebook like once a week. Like your your avid users are people that are 25 to 35. Might be like 20 to 40 actually. But yeah, you know, like old people. What are you selling? What are you selling? Were you worried about if somebody that's over 30 is, is buying what you're selling? Yeah. Or are you selling like tchotchkes? You're selling I, like I, I spindles? actually like Facebook. You know? I like Facebook. <laughs> Like, okay, if you wanted to sell, like, let's put it like this. If you wanted to sell to kids, right, and you wanted to be on TikTok or Snapchat, because that's where the young demographic is, who do you think they're getting their money from? Yeah, no, that's, a, uh, whenever you're selling something to kids, you still have to sell to their parents, no yeah, matter what. Like, like, the demographic is the parents who has the money. Yeah, you got to be on, if anything, you should be on all of them. Like, not even anything. You should be on all of them. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do. You could be selling, like, thermoses. You could be selling real estate. You could be selling, like, mm-hmm. phone cases, party admissions. You know, whatever. Like, you should, you should be on all of them. Expand your reach. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> so, to, yeah. I like, I like um, social media and all the tools that, that they provide. They provide a lot of great tools. Yeah. They're, they're, they have a lot of free resources. Yeah. A lot. All yeah. the time. Um, all the time. Like, mm-hmm. Facebook has... This whole, like, uh, it's called, like, Blueprint or something. Facebook Blueprint. Um, Mm -hmm. Not getting paid to advertise this. Mm -hmm. I'm not advertising them. But, yeah, they actually have a lot of free events to help you learn about their tools that actually help you with your business. Mm -hmm. And, yes, they are attracting you so they can, so you can be their customer. Like, the more ads you. We are their customer. Like, if you run ads on Facebook. But we are. Like, we're a consumer. If you have an account on Facebook, you're a consumer. So, no matter what, like. Yeah. So if you could have done something different with your business or anything, would you? Um, yeah, like small things. Like certain like conversations would have been different, you know. Mm. Um, 
I would have been vetted. I would have vetted some people a little more tougher. Like I, I recently learned that I'm not as good as I need to be at vetting people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Well, that's how we learn. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's I mean, good, but then also sometimes it might not be good because if the outcome was not that good, but but at the end of the day, like that's how we learn by doing yeah. stuff. I would say mostly I wouldn't change anything. Hmm. But if I could change anything, there would be certain conversations I just wouldn't have had. <laughs> you know, I just wouldn't have shook their hand. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. Um, or I would have... Um, just be more careful about partnering with them. That's yeah. About it. So can you share some advice for anyone with a culturally specific business or business idea? So like business idea or business? Anything, any advice for anyone who has an idea about a culturally specific business yeah. and maybe like hesitant or doesn't know where to start or just <sighs> anything? First thing first. If you're looking to start an event business with um, that highlights experiences for Latinos in San Francisco, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can. You just know just that Chadwick will be your don't competition. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just playing. I am not. I'm not playing, but I am playing. You know what I mean? Nah, um, no, but for real, I think that if you're going to start a business that um, is culturally specific, you need to really do. Research and understand your bl- the blind spots that about the the um, the culture that you're planning on representing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because there are blind spots, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, right? Mm-hmm. I like I'll just like put it out there. Like, um, there are 1.5 million Black Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Where can I get Afro Mexican food in the state of California? In Veracruz, Mexico. <laughs> exactly, but not in California. <laughs> But how many mm-hmm. people of Mexican descent are in the state of California? A lot more. A lot. <laughs> so my point is, is or like, has, as we say, the, un chingo. <laughs> the community is huge. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, the community is huge. So even if you were wanted to get in, if you were thinking about opening up like a taqueria or uh, a catering service that catered Mexican food, or you wanted to like start like a business that just like taught Latinas how to do business, you know. Mm-hmm. What are the blind spots? What do you know about your community that you don't know that you don't know about your community? Like, you don't know what you don't know. So you have to really, like, I would say, like, you really should learn everything, all the history. And even though, like, you might at first be like, yeah, what does it matter if I don't, if I don't know, like, a lot about people in, like, Veracruz, right? Well, I mean, you, you don't know. Like, you don't know what the benefit of, of knowing that information might be. Yeah. You know? Um, it might be, if you just want to open a restaurant, there might be some dope-ass Caribbean Mexican dish that you can only find in Veracruz that's been, like, there ever since the slave ships arrived. Mm-hmm. That would be hot fire and Hernan super... Cortes. And it'd be super, like, you know, sought after here in, in San Francisco. You just don't know. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I would say, like, if you're going to get into anything like that, definitely you should do a lot of research, meet everybody you can, and always, always, always be learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also, like... And then, like, the second part is you got to do it from, like, a serving mentality mm-hmm. because... Yeah, it's really important. I get a lot of people that reach out to me on on the platforms mm-hmm. or meet me in person and thank me for for making them feel seen. Afro-Latinos mm-hmm. on the West Coast 
who thank me for making them feel seen. And a lot of po- folks, too, who are transplants from Boston, New York, D.C., mm-hmm. wherever else, San Juan, Santo Domingo, who come out here for work and thank me for creating these spaces mm-hmm. because now they don't feel like they need to move home to get their culture. Now they're not so homesick. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really important what you do. Well, thank you. I'm glad you, rep- you know, recognize that. Yeah. But, but no, but like you should, when you do it, you should do it also thinking like, this is bigger than me, so I have to like be very mindful of that and sensitive to um, what I'm creating for people. You know, like I said, if you just want to hustle, if you just want to make some money and get a Rolex, yeah, go do sales, yeah, <laughs> or recruiting, yeah. You know, but if you want to make a business that serves a community and brings some kind of like missing aspect, then you have to definitely be sensitive to what you're doing for others. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I, like, get lost in what I do every day, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. What am I doing this? Wait, oh, yeah, I do need to pay my rent, I do need to pay my bills, and I do have three children that <laughs> kind of need to make sure they stay alive. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to get paid, too, for sure. And also, yeah. yes, I do need to get paid, and also, but what? Like, yeah. why? Like, it's definitely, like you said, it's something bigger, and... Mm-hmm. It's recognizing that and acknowledging that every single day that makes it, like putting it out in the world makes it easier Yeah. when you're putting the service out there first. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday at the event that we were at, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to this woman and she's like, oh, so what is it that you do? And I was like, oh, like all of a sudden like, like my mission statement just kind of clicked in and mm-hmm. it's not about me. It's mm-hmm. not, I'm a business consultant, so mm-hmm. hire me. No, it's like I provide access to business tools and resources for small businesses mm-hmm. to sustain and grow their businesses. Like that's what I do. Everything that I do s- speaks to that. Yeah. And, and you know, that's what you do too. Like you serve a community who needs to be seen 100 percent. yeah and the last thing i'll say about that to answer your question because you basically hints to what you just said is we have to when you do a business we create a business for um that's culturally specific i think is what part of your mm-hmm. question right is you should also like after making sure that you're serving folks and you're providing like you know that service in a real real authentic way mm-hmm you also got to make sure you're getting paid. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us, we want to create spaces and do things for our community. And, and, and we think about, okay, this can only be done as a 501c3, like a nonprofit, mm-hmm. right? Or like, oh, I got to like, you know, charge really cheap because like, um, I don't want to like take advantage of my community or whatever like mm-hmm. that, right? You can't take advantage of yourself and your time either. Boom. Exactly. I mean, there's a there's a fine balance between there's a, like there's a perfect price point, you know, mm-hmm. like study in business school is like there's a price point that's mm-hmm. like, that's accepted by the market, right? Mm-hmm. And who's your market, right? And they will let you know. <laughs> yeah, really they'll let quickly. you know. Like you know, if you're selling burritos, and I, this is just an easy example because I I read something about recently about people exp- complaining about like a burrito price in a, in, a, in a particular neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also some other person gave a different angle to it too, right? So like, let's say you wanted to sell, sell burritos in the community that you feel would really appreciate your burritos, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to sell them for really cheap because you want people to really be able to be um, have access to it. 
But like a difference between five and seven fifty for an individual customer is not that much money. It's an extra two and a half dollars, right? But if you multiply that by a thousand customers, right, in a month, in a thirty day span, that's an extra twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That makes a huge difference for like how you're gonna pay your rent and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So like we can we can you know there's a perfect price point. Like obviously you don't want to charge twenty dollars for that burrito, and only like certain people, like hipsters, will be able to actually buy it. You know, mm-hmm. or or even like people that are like coming from the other side of the city that look at like it's like a like an adventure, you know, like mm-hmm. some kind of like safari adventure that are coming into your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have, like I think there's a certain price point that's comfortable for everybody that still makes money in a responsible way, but still like fulfills the needs of your community too at the same point without having to struggle to pay your rent, but also be like a staple in the community, you know? So like I think everybody should test those waters, you know, like see what, um, see how much more you can charge without people like feeling like they're being um, priced out. Um, and also without, like, running the risk of, like, going out of business, you know. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're going to business to serve people, and you're not just trying to get a rollie, but it would be nice to get a rollie, mm. right? Or just nice to be able to take an extra vacation a year, um, pay for your mom to get her house clean every once in a while instead of she having to clean it. I don't you want know. a rollie. I just want a Tesla. Whatever, you know, like, whatever your thing is. Somebody some anyway. want, like, an extra room in their house or they want to take a vac- Or they want to go back home. They haven't been home in, like, six years. I mean, people yeah. haven't been home to see, like, their, their extended family in, like, a some decade. Some people are running businesses and supporting whole families in other countries, too. Bingo. So, so yeah. extra, add an extra dollar or two can make a world of a difference at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that advice. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, to have something I haven't really talked about. Getting paid. Get, gotta get paid. Yep. Gotta so, get paid. So where can people find you on all the social media platforms? Good and- question. So uh, <laughs> website is ourlatincity.com. Instagram is Latin City. Facebook is Our Latin City, or Latin City, depending on how you find it. It could be like facebook.com slash Our Latin City, or you could just... Search bar Latin City, um, YouTube, YouTube.com slash something slash Latin City. It's like a C in there somewhere randomly. It's so weird. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much that. So, you know, follow us, check us out. We got a lot of events every and month. And people can buy tickets on Facebook, on Eventbrite. On Eventbrite, um, you can look us up on Eventbrite as well. Latin City. Um, you go to our website. All the links to every ticket platform is there. Go to any uh, social media, you'll be able to find all the events and the links to ticket purchase or RSVPing for free parties is, is up there too. So, yeah. And also, if you're interested in sponsoring, you could just always email me at info at ourlatincity.com. So maybe you can meet Chad too at one of the Latin City events. Yeah. Come and see. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy with the curly hair. Well, one of the guys. With the curly hair. <laughs> I was going to say, I think there's more than one guy with curly hair. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Relate and Elevate. Find me on Instagram at Giselle's World and on Facebook at GM Strategist. Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com and please, please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.